Also from MudhouseMedia.com. Join Patrick McEnroe as he has conversations with incredible guests on his tennis podcast, Holding Court. Share his love of tennis, the tournaments, events, and news with other professional athletes, artists, Hollywood stars, and CEOs. Exclusively on the Mudhouse Media Network and wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's episode, I'm speaking with Phil Rosenthal, producer of Somebody Feed Phil. Hello. Hello, this is Phil Rosenthal. Hello, Phil Rosenthal. This is Tanya. How are you? I'm good, Tanya. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> I feel like I just saw you because I watched the San Francisco episode Oh, last night. did you like it? I loved it. It's really wonderful, and I was so pleased to be a part of it. Thank you for stopping by to see me there. And your comments on the waffles, like, I'm going to have to just make waffles for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, by the way, I loved it so much. Uh, I loved you so much. That was such a nice scene. I'm so sorry that it's not at the ferry building anymore, but are you yeah. okay? Are you doing all right? Yeah, you know, and we got out of there probably just in time, just before COVID. That would have been a real yeah. challenge. Um, right. We've been doing fine considering all the challenges. You know, we're still here serving takeout. I have outdoor seating. And we're just trying to figure out what the next step will be, you know, to the partial indoor dining, which we'll have to move inside as soon as the weather changes. But, you know, fortunately, I'm here in Oakland. The weather's decent, and uh, it's actually quite warm here today. And so... Um, you know, it's just, we're just moving through it just like everybody else doing what, what else can you do? Yeah, I know. know. But I appreciate your support of restaurants and how, you know, you're helping to kind of get that messaging out there that everyone should support restaurants as much as they can. And that's just so helpful. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm lobbying our senators to do a bailout. I want oh, this bailout to happen. It's essential. Yes. I mean, we need, we, I don't want to live in a world without restaurants. I know. I mean, what will we do? You know, it's such a big, I don't know, it creates culture. It contributes to culture. It contributes to community building. Um, the restaurant, you know, it's more than just a economic entity. I mean, it does so much more. You know, it's so many people's first job. Did you ever work in the restaurant? Oh. Of course. <laughs> I had a feeling. I managed a deli when I was 21 on the Upper East Side. Really? Of Manhattan. Oh, really? yeah. Well, uh-huh. Where? It was called PJ Bernstein's. I think okay. it's still there. Huh. And uh, I learned all about life, managing a deli. I bet you did. I bet you did. Yep. It's a shortcut to, uh, definitely a shortcut to learning about people <laughs> working in the, <laughs> you know, the service industry. I feel like that should be... The requirement. You graduate from high school, then you go work in the service industry, and then you can decide if you want to go to college or what you want to do with your life. It's a good idea. Or, or, or maybe everyone should have a little job during high school. That should be part of high school. It, you're, you're absolutely right. It should be. It teaches a lot of responsibility. Right? Yeah. Because then you can graduate into a job. Mm-hmm. Imagine mm-hmm. if that was like 
if Friday was your job, mm-hmm. everybody went to work, and that was the class. Mm-hmm. That's actually Pretty good. a really good idea. Why not? Yeah. All right. Well, so you and me, Tanya, we're going to solve everything. <laughs> let's just do it. Let's just do it. Uh, <laughs> Phil and Tanya for president. <laughs> <laughs> you want? You can be president. Okay. I don't want the. I've always wanted. Yeah, I want to be president of something. I'm president of my company. That that'll do it for now. <laughs> so you? Well, I can I can see you really good. Uh, I mean, just that little time we spent together. You had that buttoned up. It was pretty great. Oh, thank that operation. you. Thank yeah. you. It's and the quality. Come on, that. I'm still dreaming about those waffles. <laughs> Thank you. I really take that as a high compliment because I know you've you've eaten a lot. Because I eat a lot. <laughs> because yes. you eat a lot. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> at least in this department. I don't know everything, but I know a little about eating. And where did you, your love from eating come from? I mean, it was your family. Was it, Were there good cooks in your family? Um, <laughs> no. Really? <laughs> like... That's where it came from, by the way. Your friend Alice Waters, she told me the same story, that her mom wasn't a good cook. And it wasn't until she went to Europe and started eating in France that Mm. we, you know, we eat the way we do because of her. I know. I know. Thank God she did. Yeah. But I had a similar experience. Yeah. I never had certain flavors until I left my parents' Mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. It just didn't exist. They Mm. both worked. We didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They had two rotten children and they <laughs> didn't have time to make, you know, delicious food. Mm-hmm. It just was like the cuisine in our house was cheap. Mm-hmm. It was sustenance. We used to beg. To, we used to beg to go to McDonald's just for something that, you know, with flavor and uh, bright packaging. That's all <laughs> we wanted. Wow. So, but then, yeah. okay, so you got in, then how did you develop your palate? Like, was it just, you know, working in places, living, just going out on your own, being adventurous? Was it travel? I think the moment I left that house and was exposed to stuff, like, I'll never forget this. I went to a perfectly crappy Italian cheap restaurant in Hempstead, New York, near Hofstra University, where I was now a freshman. Mm-hmm. And I went with other freshmen. We didn't have a lot of money. We went to this cheap place. And my pasta and sauce, the simplest thing on the menu, came out, and I went crazy. <laughs> what is this flavor? What do you mean? It's just pasta and sauce. No, there's something about it. Like, what are these chopped up white bits in here? Is it I garlic? Said, what, garlic? I said, yes, <laughs> garlic. Tanya, I had never had garlic. Oh I never God. had the flavor. Wow. Can you imagine? I was living like an animal. <laughs> I never had. It's like never having had chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. Wow. Right? So that, it's like when when Dorothy opens the door in The Wizard of Oz and now the movie (laughs) is in color. Right. That's just such... And when that that hits you at that age, Mm -hmm. 17, 18, it can be music, it can be other things, it can be stuff Mm -hmm. that becomes your thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was that because that was the only revelation that was, you know at that moment, happening to me. Mm-hmm. And I was became obsessed. Where do we get more flavor? I didn't try that flavor. What's that flavor? <laughs> this food has flavor. You didn't, know, <laughs> you didn't know food was supposed to taste good, right? <laughs> I just didn't it. experience it. I didn't yeah. know what I was missing. And that's what I try to impart to 
the people who watch the show, mm-hmm. they don't know what they're missing if they don't travel. That's right. It's nice that they look at me on the show. It's nice that they like the show, but that's not, that's only part of what I'm there for. I want to literally get them off the couch to go yeah. because I think the world would be better if we all could experience a little bit of other people's experience. Oh, that's, you think? I know it. Yeah, you know it too. I know. It's just. Of course. And we wouldn't be where we are at this moment. Yeah. If, if, if people were a little bit more open-minded. I and agree. I found that one of the best ways to open a mind is to open a mouth. <laughs> that's a good quote. It, and I agree with you. I would say like that's getting to know a culture through its food ways is so yep. essential. But okay, yeah, you're you literally s- taking in the culture, yep. right? Yeah. And it's enjoyable. You're not listening to a lecture. You're yep. not learning history. God forbid you should learn something. <laughs> but the but the food itself is the culture. Yeah. And you go, whoa, what is that? And that opens your mind to maybe being a little bit more inquisitive, a little bit more mm-hmm. curious about the person that mm-hmm. made that thing mm-hmm. and where they come from and what that story is. Mm-hmm. Why? And it's a very simple question. Why does this taste so good? <laughs> right. Right? Why do you eat that? Why do you cook that? Um, open to open a mind, open a mouth. I think that needs to be a T-shirt or some kind of like something. I give it to my friends in restaurants, <laughs> in the business, in the food business. Take it, make your shirt, make some money, do whatever you want. <laughs> All right, I might have to take that one on then. <laughs> wow, that's great. So you how did you make the transition though? You got into yeah. tell me how you got into TV first. Oh, I well, when I was a kid, I didn't know that there was writing and directing and producing. I just watched shows like The Honeymooners, mm-hmm. you know, and and All in the Family, the Dick Van Dyke show and and all the shows of the 70s, 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to be like them, the mm-hmm. people I saw on TV. I wa- just wanted to be funny. <laughs> I didn't want to be a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be funny, like be in the, be in the school play, mm-hmm. right, which is the only w- legal way to be funny in school. <laughs> you have to channel it. You can't be the class clown or they throw you out. Right. So, so yeah, I did a little of that class clowning stuff, but I realized that I wasn't going to get anywhere and that I, I really wanted to have an audience and do plays and do the, th- do the kind of shows that I was seeing on TV. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and I, w- I got pretty good at it in high school and college. I became popular, <laughs> which was, you know. That's all you want at that age. Well, it, listen, it's, <clears throat> it, it's so cliche. All I wanted was for the boys to stop hitting me and for the girls to talk to me. <laughs> and so this was my way. And that's such a cliche. I'm embarrassed. But that's it. And it's, that's, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And it worked. And then <laughs> and then I graduated and moved to New York. And nobody cared that I was the best one in college or high school. No, they don't <laughs> the, care. They don't, they don't care. care. You're now competing with 40,000 other People who were also told they were the best ones in their high school, in their college. Exactly. And so it's rough, and that's why you go and work in a deli. Or uh, in my case, I worked as a guard at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. I, I was a bartender. I was. I did every odd job you can think of just to make a living, and I would do plays for free with my friends on the side. And then after a few years of that, of really struggling, not even able to get an agent, not even able to get auditions, mm-hmm. we wrote 
something for ourselves to be in. And that became successful. Mm. And that was the bridge for me. That and my friend came over and wanted to write a screenplay with me because he thought I was funny. So I started writing and it turned out that I was more accepted as a writer. Hmm. And I went from eating tuna fish for dinner every night to eating whatever I wanted. (laughs) And I moved to Hollywood. And then I got a job writing on a sitcom. And I worked on another one and then another one. I did that for five years. And then I met Ray Romano and I created Everybody Loves Raymond. That's amazing. that was a good thing to do. And and then everybody (laughs) just... Things that yeah. just happened, right? <laughs> it's years and years and years of failure. Yeah. You know, I think any of us could say, you're looking at a failure when you look at me, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So many failures. and But that's how, you know, you appreciate when you have the success. And that's how the success comes. Then you know what not to do. And it's hard, but you got to do it. It's- I, uh... I'm so glad to have had all the experiences. Mm-hmm. And I've said this before. I think I say it in the San Francisco episode mm-hmm. to my friend Mark Nasser, who I wrote the show that I'm talking about with. Oh, yeah. Right? You guys went to – what were you eating with him? We oh, went my, to Swan. That's right. Oh, my God. I was so jealous because I that looked so good. It is really good. And they kind of gave us the greatest hits at Swamp. And it was, I recommend that. I mean, there's a line out the door for good reason. I don't know what's happening now in COVID, but yeah, it'll be back. It'll all be back. That's well, the other message I have for people. Right. It's going to, the world will be returned to us. I, I totally believe it too. Um, I think we were probably, when did you move to LA? What year did you move to LA? 89. 89. So I moved to New York City in 88. You remember what uh-huh. New York was like, you know, in the yep. mid to late eighties, and oh yeah, and, but and then look what it became, you know, it, yeah. it became amazing again, even like double that. So I think right. the same is going to happen too. You just need—that's the beauty of aging—is you get more perspective. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I love I love the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's clear. And I think when we're in the middle of such a tragic time, we can't see past it. Mm -hmm. But if we stop and think, of course there's going to be a vaccine eventually. One that we can trust, too, by the way. You can't just take the first one that comes off the truck that that some people are just going to push on us to say that they did it, right? Yep. And the problem solved. No, I don't I don't update my phone until I see what happens to everybody else. <laughs> so I'm going to wait and mm-hmm. make sure that the scientists tell us that it's safe. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be first online mm-hmm. to, to get it. I can't wait to resume life and to go out. The people ask me, where's the first place you're going to go? My local diner. Yeah. I just want my normalcy back, right? I know, I know. And I, then we'll worry about travel and everything else. And, yeah. and that's going to happen because the, the whole world is working together to find a cure. Right. And so it will happen. Why? Yep. Because it's happened every other time there's been something like this mm-hmm. in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Somebody I was just uh, talking to, was just like a hundred years ago, there was a, a flu outbreak. I think it was in right. the Bay. It was, I think it got over to California, and I forgot where it started. But so, Oh, no, this it, was the 1918 flu. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Thousands and thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people died, and uh, and then they had a flu shot. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. By the way, they were smarter about wearing masks as a population than we are now. A hundred years ago, they were smarter. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was like a mandate. Had to wear masks. Interesting. Yep. Well, we need to stay, those of us who are wearing them, keep wearing them, those who aren't, get on board because yeah. it, it helps a lot. Of course. Yeah. It's proven to help. Yeah. So then now. It's not a political issue. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting used to it in the restaurant business. You know, it's especially uh, when you're serving people, you want to smile and use your expressions. But, you know, we've yeah. got to be safe. It's definitely. Well, you have such a great smile. Oh, you need a mask you. that we, you can see through. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the <laughs> next invention. Thank you. <laughs> um, so then, so you had a lot of success with Everybody Loves Raymond. What was the impetus for Somebody Feed Phil? What was like that moment so where you I, like... I've told this story before. Okay, I but haven't I, heard I it. I believe the genesis came from an actual episode of Raymond. <clears throat> uh-huh. I, asked, I asked Ray Romano where he was going on his first hiatus from the, the first year to the second year. Mm-hmm. He was going to have a break, as we all were, mm-hmm. like a vacation. Where are you going to go? And he said, oh, I go to the Jersey Shore. And I said, that's nice. You haven't been to Europe? And he said, no. Nah. I said, why not? He goes, I'm not really interested in other cultures. Uh, wow. That's what he said. Okay. And I was shocked. Yeah. Because to me, the most mind-expanding thing I had done in my life was travel when I was 23. I got on a courier flight, and I went to Europe, and it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Right? Just mm-hmm. like Alice Water says, just like you probably mm-hmm. say, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. who goes and sees side of life, right, mm-hmm. goes crazy. Mm-hmm. So the perspective that you gain mm-hmm. is, is invaluable. Absolutely. It's something you carry with you for the rest of your life and you can apply to everything else in your life. I agree. So I tell him that we're going to do this episode right at the right on the spot when he said he wasn't interested in other cultures. I said, <laughs> we're doing that episode. He goes, what? I said, we're going to go to Italy. I don't want to go. I said, we're going to go. <laughs> I'm going to write the script where we send your character over as you, the guy not interested, mm-hmm. and you're going to get woke, <laughs> and you're going to be transformed into me. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would I do that? You'll see. I write the script. We get to go. I had to convince him to get on a plane. He didn't want to go. Wow. I had to convince CBS, you're now going to, this is a show is doing well. You can afford to send us to Italy for an episode, right? <laughs> And it took a couple of years, to be honest, but we got it. We Mm -hmm. went. Mm -hmm. And the character thing that I wrote of Ray getting woke, Mm -hmm. the character, I saw happen to the person, my friend, Ray. Really? Oh, my God. Have you had this gelato? (laughs) Yes, I have. He goes, isn't it awesome? Yeah, it is. That's why. That's one of the good reasons to come here. Oh, my God. The pizza. I never had pizza like the world. We got to try it over there. And he was like ping-ponging around the piazzas like a, like a madman. Wow. And I was like, this is awesome, this power. Mm-hmm. I want to do this for everybody. Mm-hmm. I want to do this for everybody. And so I finished the run of Raymond, and I start thinking I got to do another sitcom. That's what people want. Mm-hmm. But the business had changed. I wasn't so quick to sell another sitcom. Mm-hmm. And then it's more years of failing, 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 mm-hmm. even after the success, mm-hmm. failing, failing. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you know, I'm banging my head against this show business wall 
why don't I pick this spot in the world that I would personally really love? Mm-hmm. It's this idea of turning the world on to travel mm-hmm. and how it makes the world better. And maybe I could have a niche in that world. And I thought of the line that I would say. And this is how I sold the show. I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain if he was afraid of everything. (laughs) And that finally, after years of trying to get it together, Mm -hmm. trying to pitch this idea of even making little videos and and showing it to people Mm -hmm. and, and different different networks like the travel channel, the food channel. But finally, PBS said, we've been looking for a show, a food and travel show with humor. Mm. And so I was just in the right spot at the right time after 10 years of trying. Right. <laughs> right. That's how it and happens. And they said, yes. That's yeah. And they gave me six, six episodes on the air and it did very well. We won the James Beard Award for in our first season. Wow. And then they didn't pick up the show. Okay. They didn't pick up the show. They didn't raise the money in the fundraisers or whatever it was, or yeah. they didn't. So they didn't think it fit. Maybe too, they didn't though, like PBS. humor. Well, very yeah. hard. Yeah, very hard. Have you worked with them? Um, I've tried to work with them, and it's always you know that's always the issue is the the budget and getting the the dollars behind it. So it's it's really all about the yeah. money over there. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, I'm not going to disparage them. They no, have no, it's much, great. It's great. They have money woes. Right. You know, some of the best things ever on TV have been on PBS. Agreed. And Agreed. I was proud to be there, and I would have stayed happily. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They didn't want the show anymore after six. Mm. So here comes Netflix, wow. and I say to Netflix, uh, when they ask, they they like the show, but uh, do you want to do anything different? I said, um, I'd like a theme song. <laughs> I was That's noticing I your music. I was like, okay, so that was customized for you? That's not... That's Not uh, Not only customized, I wrote some lyrics. You did? I wrote some lyrics, and I sent them to my favorite band, which is called Lake Street Dive. Okay. And if you have Spotify or Apple Music, I want you to just put in Lake Street Dive. And list, they have like five or six albums already. Where They're they phenomenal, Where this they band. They... And the, the lead singer who sings, you know, Somebody Feed Phil, she has an incredible voice and can sing everything from jazz to rock and roll. She's incredible. Rachel Price is her name. And I want people to get turned on to Lake Street Dive. Uh, they're, they're incredible. By the way, our little theme song was nominated for an Emmy. No, really? That's amazing. Really? Yeah, and the show was nominated last year. I mean, I'm very proud of how it turns out. I get to work with my brother, who's a producer on the show. I've, I've met Richard. Who you met. He's lovely, yes. He's lovely. Not to me, but to everyone else. <laughs> lovely. And then uh, the production company that we have is the same as Bourdain's was. Yes, 0.0. That's amazing. Exactly. So you know them yep. a little. Yep. Yeah, the work is great. And the, the show work is, is great. so put together well. and. I know you're opening minds because I know people are watching it and, and learning and growing. And like you said, I mean, the first time I went abroad, I was 20. I went to the former yeah. Soviet Union and it wasn't like I was, you know, running around from square to square saying all oh, this is delicious. Actually, it was the no. opposite. I was like, can I please get some real food? But how, why was, were you there? Why was that your first It place? was so um, mind opening. 
I have a degree in Russian language and literature, and I was wow. in my after I just finished my second year, and there was an opportunity to go there with a group of students from college uh, for three week tour, and we went from Moscow all the way down to Tbilisi and Yalta, back up to Kiev and Vilnius, and then um, Leningrad or Saint Petersburg, and yeah. Um, yeah, I begged my dad to go on that trip, but just I was, and I'm so glad I did. I mean, it just changed my mind about, you know, oh, even course. understanding how that culture works, you know, and um, what year was that? 1985. Wow. Before Glasnost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a rough time to be there. there yeah. You were seeing lines for food, right? There, If there was food. Yeah. It, yep. There were lines for food, lines for everything. There were these stores, um, I forgot what they were called now, but you couldn't enter them unless you were, you know, of a certain class, like, you know, a uh, social class or a foreigner. Like, you know, regular yep. people can shop and that's where all the good stuff was. It was really bizarre, really bizarre. But it just made me appreciate the little things back at home, you know, just the, the freedoms that I take that I was taking for granted. That's you know? right. That's a great part of travel also right. to exactly. to appreciate what you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, but uh, I the, went to I went to Moscow myself. I went in between Raymond and getting this show. Mm-hmm. I made a documentary because they asked me to come to turn my sitcom into Everybody Loves Kostya. <laughs> really. Yeah, and I said, I will do it if I can document the whole thing. And it became this pretty oh funny God. documentary called Exporting Raymond, which I think you can, can get on. Can I see that somewhere? I want yeah, to see you can, that. I think you can get it on iTunes or uh, Amazon. Exporting Raymond. Exporting okay. Raymond. Okay. It's it's won a few awards, but it's it's mostly funny because I really suffer. My yeah. family thinks it's hysterical. <laughs> it sounds, I mean... I can only imagine because the food, I think, now you said in between, so was that like 2000? Yeah, that would have been 2009, I think, is when I filmed it. Yeah. And I think it came out in 2011. Yeah, so they probably were still, the offerings were probably still a little bit behind. Oh, no, it was great because they had struck oil in in the 2000s. They Uh, struck oil. Okay. And they became, became, you know, the center of Moscow Mm -hmm. when I went was like any other beautiful European city. Oh, okay. Yep. So you found some good food there. Absolutely. Oh, good, like good, world good. cuisine. But here's what's funny about the culture. Every restaurant, no matter what kind of restaurant you went to, if Russian restaurant, French mm-hmm. restaurant, mm-hmm. right? A page of sushi on the menu. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I would say, this is, a, this is a French restaurant. Why do you have a sushi on the menu? And you know what they said? What? We like sushi. <laughs> That's it. They don't need a reason. And they some, like it, they put it on the menu. If it, it sells, we're putting it in. Oh, my God. And some of the most landlocked areas of the world. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. But there's some great, I mean, I had amazing, some food was amazing. Okay. That, and, oh. and even simple things. And you notice how brilliantly when you're there, mm-hmm. the food has been designed to go brilliantly with vodka. Vodka comes with everything. <laughs> yes. Well, when I was there, too, we had vodka, but we didn't have yeah. any um, brilliant food offerings at that time. No, no. We had we had really beautiful restaurants. I think the most expensive restaurant in the world now is in Moscow. They took, well, I think it's called, named after an opera. Oh, Turando. Okay. Turando. It's, I think it's a $100, $100 million what? restaurant. 
Yes. Oh, that's what they spent on to build it? So it looks like a palace at Versailles wow. in the middle of Moscow. And you know what the food is that they serve there? Don't say sushi. No. <laughs> what? I think there's a page of sushi on the menu. <laughs> but you're, you're eating in a French palace in the middle of Moscow, and the cuisine, dim sum. <laughs> well, you know. I don't understand it, but it sure was fun. If, if it's delicious and that's what they want, <laughs> that's what sells, I guess that's good. Uh, when you that's what people want. Uh, speaking of which, when you were here, going off subject a little bit, did you go to um, State Bird Provisions? Because you know they do like a California dim sum. Not only did... I go there, we filmed a whole thing, and it'll be in one of our bonus scenes that I put on the YouTube channel. okay, good. Okay, good. We filmed, I wanted to include it. We just ran out of time. San Francisco, I don't have to tell you, is a bounty of riches, right? Yeah. It's very hard to to miss. This place I didn't even get to, like Cezanne, I didn't get to. Yeah, the list is endless. But that place, that's one of the places that I take visitors to because it's so unusual and it's so good. And it so works. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a genius idea! I agree. Uh, for agreed. people who don't know, tell tell everybody what the what the bit is there. Well, first of all, it's not that big. I think they have like right. between forty to fifty seats. You right. walk in as soon as you sit down. Um, someone, one of the servers, will roll a cart next to you, and you can select from two, three, or four items. You know that are priced anywhere from three to. Seven dollars, maybe a few more, and they're bites. Like my favorite are the potato chips with the trout uh, and the amazing. trout roe. Oh my god! Yes, it just amazing. seems but, simple. Uh, but the idea is like you would be in a dim sum restaurant where right. they're rolling the carts next to you, but instead of dumplings and things, it's California cuisine, <laughs> like greatest hits exactly. and really inventive, cool stuff. Yep, yep. No, it's I just I love it. I can't wait till they come back. I don't know what they're doing. I know, me too. I haven't checked. But in it's on such them. a genius idea. I'm, like, surprised it didn't catch on more. Yeah, I'm surprised people didn't knock it off. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I just, maybe they just couldn't pull it off. They're so creative, too. Every time I go yeah. in there, they have some of their greatest hits, but then they they have something else they do, you know, something new they've yeah. been invented. It's just amazing. And then the place next door seemed great, too. Yeah, they're, the progress. I've eaten there, yeah. too. It's amazing. They're so talented, really yeah. talented. Um, and when yeah. I say they... I mean, their whole staff, but uh, Stuart and Nicole, the proprietors, are just really, amazing. Yeah, great people. I well, mean, good. San I'm glad Francisco, you didn't miss that. I know. San Francisco, for a long time, was the number one food city in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because this is where Keller and Alice Waters were, and they kind of created the way we eat in America. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I saw your um, – well, I watched the whole episode, so – but I laughed when you walked away from the Panda P because he cut that so fast and so precise. <laughs> and you just knew you couldn't do it. You're like, that's it. I'm just walking away. <laughs> that, I have, there, I, is a scene, there is a scene of me doing it very slowly. Oh, okay. Is that in the bonus yeah. scene? I missed that. that. I don't know if you need that bonus scene. It's exactly what that guy does just with an idiot doing it very slow. <laughs> I've never made that bread, but it is one of my favorites to eat. I don't know. It's that extra crust. I just love it. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. And the way it's shaped, mm-hmm. you just know exactly where to tear it off, right? right? Perfect. And it's a, like a branch of a tree. It's gorgeous in every way. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. They, they know what they're doing. I mean, a the pastry's bit. A little crazy. Bit. Yeah. 
everything he touches, you know, has to be perfect. Yeah. I've been an admirer of, you know, Thomas Keller's since I first learned about him. So one of my, you'll find this interesting, um, before I went to cooking school and I was in the front of the house in New York, I worked at a restaurant called Cafe Raquel. It used to yeah. be Raquel, and uh, which was Thomas Keller's restaurant. I think he had yeah. four New York Times stars. And then wow. the stock market crashed, right? So they downscaled, and they called it Cafe Raquel, and they brought yeah. in this consulting chef to kind of make the menu a little bit more casual. And yeah. also his business partner, who was a consulting manager, who was my boss, guess who that was? I don't know. Andrew Zimmern. What? <laughs> yes. Andrew was my boss at Cafe Raquel in 1990, I think it was. Holy and cow. I know. He trained me how to do inventory, and um, that's probably all I learned there, really. It was just like the number counter. <laughs> I, I had just... dinner with Andrew once a couple of years ago in Las Vegas, one of my favorite dinners ever. We had such a good time. I think he's the greatest guy. Yeah, he's been at it so for nice. a long time too. You know, oh, yeah. another what a one. Story who, he has. Oh yeah, and another one who can attest to just like you keep trying, you keep going, yep. and then you have something that takes off. You know, and that's how it goes. Yeah. But I think I mean the, I can't. I really can't hold a candle to these giants that came before me to, to Bourdain and Andrew Zimmer. These are professionals, real professionals. You know, but, if you did a show, you would have way more expertise than me. <laughs> I'm just a I'm a tourist. You know, but I'm, I'm proud. I'm proudly a tourist, but that's all I am, really. But you're and you're authentic to that, and that's what matters. You're not trying to be something you're not. And Bourdain was authentically who he was. Andrew yeah. is, and I, that's the way I try to to be as well. Like I, I am a chef, but I'm not Thomas Keller level chef. And you know, I aspired to when I was younger. Then I was like, well, you know, I think my talents are you know more in the creating the the whole experience and being out there in the world and doing other things. And, um, you know, we all but have let me our tell things. You something. From my point of view, from the tourist point of view, from just a regular guy who eats point of view, mm -hmm. here's what I've learned. Delicious is delicious. <laughs> and I would rather have your waffle than some fancy stuffy four star French meal. Right. Oh, That's, thank you. Uh, we've all been there at the five-hour dinner that doesn't end, and everything that comes, yeah, it looks great. How is it? Yeah, yeah. Right? Do you, anything memorable other than your back hurts? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas two bites of your waffle, you're like, uh, how do I marry? <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I just love the different levels of service and food in this industry. I mean, that's like what, yeah. what I'm inspired by. You know, some days... I want to be totally, you know, pampered by several servers. And I did that yeah. for my birthday. Actually, my friend took me to the French Laundry. We ate outside in the garden, and it was amazing. It is the perfect you know? birthday thing. Yeah. You do it, you do it once uh, every once five a, years. Yeah, I was right? going to say, that's, it. that's about right. The la Well, when's the last time I was there? It was probably eight. I was going to say once a decade. But yeah, five yes, to ten years, or once in your life, or once in your life. <laughs> if you're, but it is. But yes. I don't. Uh, you know. You know. They're crazies who go once a week. That there. They're crazy. How do they do that? 
Do they? Is that I their only know. meal? How do they digest? I also I have friends who will go to Europe, and they'll have two weeks, and every night, three star Michelin. Yeah, that's I'm like, too you're much. crazy. That's too much. I don't want that. Who does that? I go, and even if you see the show, there's one splurge per episode. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how people are. Yeah. If I go to a faraway place, I, 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 I'm going to be a person. I'm going <laughs> to experience the place. Yes. And one thing, like we, if we read, well, this is the best restaurant in France, so you should hit that. Yeah. Okay. Because who knows when we'll be back? Probably 10 years. Yeah. So let's go. So we do it. And it's always phenomenal. But then you've done it. That's it. I don't need another one the next night. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, But speaking of Michelin Three Star, you spent some time with my friend Dominique Crenn. And oh, I love her. And she's, how's her health? She's how's doing she doing now? great. I actually have yeah, seen her quite a bit lately. And I mean, what Give a, her my love. I, I want to speak to her. Okay. I hope she's happy with her portrayal as well, because I, she was an inspiration, I thought. I think so, too. And I thought she looked great, even though yep. she wasn't at the peak of her health right then, but I thought yep. she looked great. But now you wouldn't even know that she experienced that. She's so vibrant and um, yeah. still cooking up delicious food, and can't wait to see what's next She has from her. some energy. Oh, my gosh. Some energy and some mind. Yep. I love her sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I think she's wonderful. Just yeah, wonderful. She is a, she's good people all the way through. Um, yeah, and so tell me about um, somebody feed the people that you're working oh, yeah. on. Because it's coming so, up. Uh, I don't know when this is going to uh, air. Is yeah, this well, on, it'll uh, be after. It'll be sometime in December. So, okay, um, so here we, we are in December. what's going on. Yeah, oh, here we are in December. Here we are in December. <laughs> yes. um, uh, let me just say, I'm sorry for everything that's been happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I have no idea what we're, 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 we're recording this the day before election day. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's not on my mind that much. Is it on your mind? Very much? <laughs> <laughs> it's only keeping me up at mm-hmm. night and I have trouble sleeping like the rest of us. I know. But God knows what's going to be. It feels weird to know that this will be on in a different world yep. because no matter the verdict, right? Yeah. It's going to be a different world. Absolutely. So welcome to the new world, everybody. We got to make do. We got to figure it out. We got to, you know, live together. Together. In my experience traveling, Mm -hmm. I've made a generalization. Most people, everywhere on earth, most people are so much better than their governments. Mm -hmm. You know, when we read about, can you believe what's going on in Brazil? Can you believe that? That place, that, that are they crazy? And you, no, they're not crazy. Yep. The government might be. Yeah. The, the, the people are just like us Absolutely. everywhere I go. What does yep. that mean? They want to live in peace. Mm-hmm. They want to be happy and healthy. They want their children to be happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. They want them to have good educations. They want them to have a bright future. They want clean air, food, and water. Mm-hmm. This is what people want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we only get the news of conflict. That's, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because not news. It's not news in Israel. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, do you hear the Jews and the Arabs? They met up in, the, in Jerusalem. You know what happened? They sat and had lunch like they do every day. <laughs> That's not news. Right. But that is the world. I've seen it up close. Yeah. I've seen Jews and Palestinians 
working together in their in their family business mm-hmm. together as they have for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. I, they even wear a t-shirt because no one can believe it. They have a t-shirt. It's written in Arabic, in Hebrew, and in English. And the t-shirt says, Jews and Arabs refuse to be enemies. Mm. We don't get copies of those t-shirts over here, do we? No, we don't. We just get the one-sided story. I can't wait for you to see the, the Mississippi Delta show that we did. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's in this batch as well. Oh, good. Hold on, hold I on. Can't yes, wait. Ben. Okay, can you tell my friend uh, I'm going to be a few more minutes? Thank you. Oh, I want to um, see that too. So that that blew my mind because I thought I'm going to the Mississippi Delta. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in the movie Deliverance, <laughs> right? I'm going to be in a land of rednecks mm-hmm. where everybody, you know, there's so much hate and terrible. And why wouldn't I think that? That's all I'm presented mm-hmm. in, in on the news. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons we have trouble in this country is because we all watch the news that we want to watch mm-hmm. and we're not exposed to the other news, mm-hmm. which is the, the real, the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's an agenda on every news and you can be in a bubble. Mm-hmm. There's a great documentary about this called The Social Dilemma that's, that's on Netflix right now. That oh, yeah. explains this very thing. The divisiveness is caused, literally mm-hmm. caused, by everyone being on their phone and being on the computer mm-hmm. and on their Facebook feed that feeds them just what you want to see and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So you can have you live in your own reality. So I go down to Mississippi Delta a little afraid. Mm-hmm. And damn, if everyone, black, white, Asian, every single person I met was the warmest, sweetest, nicest, getting along, no problems, together like family at every meal, everyone, Mm. without exception. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm certainly not seeing all of it, but I'm seeing a lot of it, and I'm seeing that there is another reality. Mm -hmm. And it's this thing. People want to get along and live in peace. Mm-hmm. Most people. Mm-hmm. I, oh, that I was, agree. it's a beautiful thing. And I just loved it. And we, and we also all have more in common than we have different. And we keep getting the differences pointed out. And it's like, that's minor. Yeah, but by the way. Right? But nothing wrong with pointing out differences. But why don't we celebrate those differences? Oh, yeah. I love that you're a little different than me. <laughs> you have something to teach me. If exactly. we were all the same, exact same, life would be boring. Exactly. I've never I like un- hearing about your experience. I like hearing about your family history. I like yeah. hearing about your personal history and where you've been in your life and how it makes your food so delicious. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That makes it that makes life worth living are the differences, not the similarities. Yes. This is why I do the show. That's why food is in the center of my show because it's so relatable. Everybody eats. Yep. Everybody yep. likes to eat. Mm-hmm. So I'm just using food and whatever stupid sense of humor that I have to get you to the table because oh. that's where the people are. And oh. that's what I want to, you know, oh. that's what I want to explore. Yeah. Open the mouth to open the mind or open the mind yes. by opening the yes. mouth. I and love I say it. this too. Food is the great connector. Yep. And then laughs are the cement. Uh, <laughs> I agree. How do you think about humor, uh, before we finish up here, translating? Because that's always been, you know, when I travel, the thing that's been, because I love humor too. Like I follow comics. I've always loved comedies. um, Yeah. And and by the way, going, growing up in school, I was always 
sitting next to the class clown, you know, usually it was yeah. like, and I'd get in trouble because he'd make me laugh. Usually it was like, you know, some guys, you rarely found like girls as the class clowns, you know, it was mostly a guy. Right. And they, I'd laugh and then I'd get in trouble. Uh, like you yeah. said, the only way not to do it is like if you're part of the play. But yeah. um, when I've traveled, I remember going to the theater in French in France to see a movie, a comedy, and I everybody was laughing, and I was like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> so, uh, I, I had, do you feel that comedy translates in any it way? Can. Yeah, it can. I think it's hard, obviously, to tell a story right yeah. when you're when you're sitting with people who don't and you don't speak the same language, and even going through the interpreter, yeah. it's, it's hard. But you can make yourself known, and you can, even with just a facial expression, yeah, yeah, you can connect with another person, mm-hmm. right? If something comes to the table and you're not used to it, and you raise an eyebrow, you might get a laugh mm-hmm. because they understand what that feeling is. That's universal. Mm-hmm. This is odd. I'm not sure I should put this in my mouth, <laughs> right? And then if it's delicious and you make another face, they laugh because they understand that you've been surprised and delighted by whatever it was that you just ate. (laughs) So that's how I communicate with the people. I'm not acting. It's my genuine reaction, but it seems to connect with other people. And then they connect to me too, because they also just their style, their way of being the way they, you know, uh, uh, act in, in public and, and the way they, they have little habits or eat. You see it, you recognize uh, specific behavior in other people. And yeah. by the way, the more specific it gets, but the more you see specificities, I found this, I learned this in writing, the more specific you get, the more universal it becomes. Mm. Because all our lives deal in specifics. Mm-hmm. And I can apply this to a recipe as well. Mm-hmm. The more specific that seasoning is in your chicken, right? The mm-hmm. more universally loved it might be because it's not a vague or bland flavor. Mm, that's a good it's point. It's the same in writing. Good point. Well, you have a wonderfully expressive face, so I think <laughs> you can go anywhere and people are going to love you and, and feel good about having you around. And I just am really grateful again that we got to meet last year and that I'm part of your show and hopefully we'll We'll break bread together again one day, you know? I, I got to tell you, I can't wait for that. Yeah. I can't wait to come and visit you again. And if you're ever in L.A., please, you know how to reach me. Absolutely. I will take you All up right. on that. All I'm right, very Phil. happy that we're friends. And, and uh, this will last a long time, I believe. Thank you, Phil. I look forward <laughs> to uh, talking to you again. And um, I'll talk to you when I talk to you. <laughs> Anytime. Okay. Tanya, care. you're the best. Oh, no, Thank you, you are. dear. Thanks for being here. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Tanya's Table is a Mudhouse Media production. Original music by Coffee Brown. Music is produced by Coffee Brown and Julie Wolf. Tanya's Table podcast is produced by Brand AOK. Like what you're hearing? Download and subscribe to all of our shows at mudhousemedia.com.